Wow, I'm so looking forward to all that's happening around here at Christmas time. And I do encourage you to lean in with us and pray for God's hand upon uh, Christmas Eve as well as, as they shared on Need to Know. Uh, we're just believing God He's going to touch people's lives. Amen? Yeah. yeah, We're asking God for many people to come into the kingdom. How many people want to believe for 100 this year? 100 souls will trust in Jesus Christ. Let's believe that. Let's pray for that. And I encourage you to be part of it. If you still haven't responded, we'd love you to be on our ministry team. Fill out that form in your bulletin. Drop it in the offering at the end of the service. We'll include you on the serving team. It's going to be awesome. And I just I sense in my soul, God is really, really going to do something amazing and something special. can hardly wait for it. Well, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Romans chapter 4, and 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'll mention those again later on. We'll get to all those passages. Uh, we're in our series here today, uh, wrapping it up, and uh, it's called uh, Overflow. And we're just trusting that God has been speaking to your hearts as we've been going through this series. I've heard great comments from many of you that the Lord has shown you things and given you excitement and encouragement about trusting Him in your life in special new ways. And uh, so we're wrapping up the series today, it's the final message, and we're looking at the truth that the God that we are serving and following is a God of great abundance and generosity. He's willing to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or imagine. And uh, he sets us into a, a pathway uh, in which he wants to bless us. So we're going to see that today as we turn to Genesis 12 in the life of someone by the name of Abram. And I love this passage because it, it launches us into this great hero of faith that we're going to learn about together here this morning. So the words will be on the screen, Genesis chapter 12, just the first three verses. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will, uh, whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a really phenomenal passage. It's a phenomenal promise, and there's something in there for you and I to get under and to get into, and we're going to learn about it this morning. God's disposition towards us is He wants us to be blessed in the same way that He has blessed Abraham. And so in this series, we've been discovering things like you know, God really does not want us to be stuck in poverty. Uh, he wants us to experience prosperity in the true biblical meaning of that word. He's the God of abundance. And in our previous messages in this series, we've laid a foundation uh, on those topics. There's some ditches, some extremes that we, of course, want to avoid uh, when it comes to prosperity. And if you missed those messages, I encourage you to watch the, the video online or listen to the MP3. Uh, but we've looked at verses like this, 3 John verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And the idea there is that there's not only a prosperity of the soul, but also of the body and of the whole life. And that includes every part uh, of our lives. And we learned about this, that the true biblical meaning of prosperity is this, that whatever I put my hand to, God gives success. So think about all the things that you put your hand to, that you take initiative for, your work, your labor, your family, your parenting, your relationships. You want God's hand upon all of that, and that's biblical prosperity, that it would have success, that it would have his favor. And one of the great examples of a person who experienced that, of course, 
is Abraham, who we just read about. But how does Abraham respond to this invitation from God to step into this experience of blessing? How does he arrange his life in such a way that he can actually lay hold of this overflowing experience? And what can we learn from Abraham for ourselves? Well, the first thing I think we can kind of hook onto is this, that God has a future planned for us, and that future is full of his abundant favor and blessings. Can you remember that? God has a future It's planned for us, and that future includes his favor and his abundant blessings. And just look at the passage again with me here. You'll see that God is very, very involved in making this happen in the life of his servant. And notice the word I here. It shows up like, I think about five times. It says, I will show you, speaking of the land. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. Five times. God says there in those short verses to Abraham, five times he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do things for you. I'm going to take initiative on your behalf. And so it's really more about him than us, isn't it? It's really about his desire and his capacity to put an overflowing blessing into our lives. And we then respond. We hear his voice. We answer the call of God upon our lives. And we step into obedience. And so to get into that position then, where we can experience that, we have to walk in the footsteps of Abraham. And I want you to turn to that other passage I mentioned here. We're looking at Romans chapter 4, this great section in the Bible and what it means to believe and receive from God. And it also talks about Abraham's life and the kind of witness that he is to us. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. There's a whole bunch of verses in here about Abraham. It's worth reading later on your own. It says this, therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Don't you wish you were one of those? This promise is guaranteed to those kids. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. Oh, well maybe we have some hope here. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Wow. So this blessing that we're talking about here, this promise from God that came upon Abraham is not just for him, but for all of his, of his ancestors, all of the people that will walk in faith like him. So guess what, friends? We're in that family. We are children of Abraham, as it says in Romans 4. He's our dad in the faith. We take cues from him on how to, how to live by faith. And uh, when we walk as Abraham walked, we step into the same blessing that Abraham was receiving from God. It is about walking by faith. And it also requires that important step of obedience, right? We, all, we know that, right? That's, that faith leads to steps of action. And we're not going to really step into overflowing abundance without it costing us something. Remember we talked about that in this series? We said that the gospel is free, right? Jesus Christ died for your sins. He purchased your salvation. It's free to you. By grace are we saved through faith. We can't earn our salvation. And once we receive him into our lives, we realize the gospel is free indeed, but maturity is expensive. Maturity will also cost us something. It'll take us into the territory of surrender and sacrifice and trusting God. And 
Abraham is a good example to us in this whole area. Uh, his step of obedience was fairly massive. I mean, think about it. God says to him one day, go. Leave your father's household. Leave everything behind and go to a land that I'm going to show you. Now, we don't know everything about the circumstances here in the end of chapter 11 of Genesis and the beginning of chapter 12, but we know a few things. Uh, we know, for instance, that God appears to Abraham in a place called Haran. And that's at the end of chapter 11 and 12, beginning of 12 there. That's, he's in Haran, which is halfway between Ur of the Chaldees and the Promised Land. The interesting thing, though, is in chapter 12, there's this past tense word there. It says in verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Go. So God was talking to Abraham before he got into the Promised Land. And he made it halfway there. His father, whose name is Terah, dies in Haran. They spend a lot of time there. Maybe that's why his father's name is Delay. That's what the word Terah means, Delay. And then eventually Abraham picks up his family and they move towards the promised land. Here's the thing. For Abraham to get a hold of the blessing of God, guess what he had to do? He had to go. He had to step out in faith. He had to put his feet on the ground. He had to say, we're moving. We're changing direction. We're going to follow the voice of the Lord who is speaking to us on something, and we're not going to give in to any fear. And so he became the father of many nations because of that. And I think that what we need to realize here as we look at Abraham's life is you cannot stay where you are and expect more from God. There has to be some kind of stepping of a, uh, into obedience in a higher level. There's got to be some kind of cost that is associated with our experience of God's blessing. All promises in the Bible come with a condition. And this one is no different. And so when we're taking a step of obedience... We're moving into the territory of faith. And we don't want to just go halfway, right? We want to get all the way there to the promised land. This is something I think that we can move into when we realize the kind of future that God has for us. And I, I don't think we perhaps ponder that enough as people. I don't know if, we, if you're like me, but sometimes I forget to ponder the future. And I, I, I look ahead into the next six months or the next year, but I don't look into the next 100 years and I don't pray about the generations that will come after me so much as I think about the generations that are here right now. But as we think about God's future in our lives, we should be future-minded people. And uh, the Chinese have a saying that when you make a decision, make a 100-year decision. Don't just deal with now. Set in motion all those things that will be a blessing for the, for the other generations that will follow. And do you think maybe that God knows something about the future? I mean, how many of you really believe that God sees your future? Do you really believe it? And do you believe that he has something in store for you that's good and, and, and great and it'll satisfy you? Of course he does. And we see it also here in the call of Abraham. It's all in future tense mode. It says, you know, I'm going to show you this land. I will make you into a great nation. That's in the future. I will make your name great. That's coming. I will bless those who bless you, and so on. He's talking about a future that Abraham has if he trusts deeply in God. And if he's willing to step out in faith and go where God wants to take him. The future of God for our lives is amazing. Same for Abraham. Even in Genesis 13, you know, the Lord says to him, Hey, why don't you go for a walk around the land? Uh, I brought you here. So he, you know, he, he's there. He's walking around Canaan. He's, he's believing that one day this land will be his. But there's people living there at that time who 
didn't know Abraham. They didn't care about him. And it wasn't really his on paper, but it was his in the eyes of God. How many of you know that in the kingdom, God declares things that are yours before they come to pass? That's a great secret, isn't it? God declares things for you in your future before they come to pass, but they're still going to come to pass. They might not have your name on it. It might not technically be yours, but one day it shall be as you walk in faith and take those steps. And if we're going to walk like Abraham, we've got to believe like Abraham. We need to take our steps of obedience. This requires a great amount of faith sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't the Lord ever surprise you like this? He'll put something on your heart to do, and you're saying, Lord, I can't do it. I can't handle it. It's beyond me. I don't have the capacity. And he, he kind of whispers to you. He's like he's saying, I know. And that's why I'm calling you to do it, because you're going to have to trust in me. You're going to have to put your faith in me in a new way, and I will show you the kind of future I have for you. Just trust me. That is certainly the way God works. In Hebrews chapter 11, this great section of the Bible on faith, it says this, that faith, verse 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Question, what is the evidence of the things that are not seen? It's not the things. It's faith. Are you with me? I know it's early in the morning here. What is the evidence of the things that are not seen? It's your faith. So if you have faith, you are believing in something that is not yet seen. And that leads you to the reward. Verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Impossible. You cannot please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There is a reward. There is a future for the people of God. And it does call us into a radical kind of faith that we can step into. It's similar to what God said to his people at another time in history. Go back, uh, actually go ahead a thousand years to the Babylonian exile Guess what happens? God's people, after the monarchy is established, they forget to walk with the Lord. So the Lord sends them back, guess where? To Babylon, to where Ur of the Chaldees was, where Abraham came from. He's like, God's saying, I'm going to send you back to the starting point till you learn this lesson deeply. And while they were there, and they were tuning their hearts back into the Lord in exile in Babylon, God said these words in Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So it doesn't even matter if you live in Babylon or, or the promised land or in Airdrie. God has plans for his people. Plans to prosper them in the biblical meaning of that word. Plans to give them hope and a future so that they can set their eyes upward and say, God, you're a good God. You're a gracious God. You're a great God. And when I'm following you, I can expect that you will do great and mighty things in my own life. And when it's talking here about plans that God has for his people, the meaning here is that God has specific plans. These are not like general plans, like, yeah, you know, I'll just kind of like be nice to you. These are very, very specific, detailed plans. That's what the word means. It's like a strategic plan. So how about your future? Do you believe that God wants to bless you in your future? Is that how you kind of position your life with expectancy? 
and even certainty that, you know, as I trust in God, it's just going to go a good way. Things will get better for me. That the path of the just shines more and more brightly until the perfect day. Well, I trust that you're believing like that. So I ask you this. What's the step of faith that you've got to take now? Because there's got to be one. <laughs> there's got to be one for you and there's got to be one for me. What is the step of faith that you need to take right now in your life to see the future of God realized in your walk with Him? Maybe for some people it's trusting God for greater favor in their job or in their business or in their career. Maybe it's dealing with debt in our life so that we can be more generous, so we're not handcuffed uh, at the end of the month. We have nothing left to to give from. Uh, Maybe it's beginning to move into the territory of honoring the Lord by bringing his portion into the storehouse, bringing in his tithe. And in Malachi chapter 3, God says, test me in this. You know, if, if, you, if you will bring my portion into the storehouse, I will open up windows in heaven. I will, I'll do an open heavens thing over you in this area of your life. And I will pour out such a great blessing upon you, you won't have room enough to take it all in. Remember last week we talked about how Jesus was approached on one occasion by some people who said, hey, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And uh, they brought him a coin. And he said, well, whose image is on it? He said, they said, he said uh, Caesar's image. And he said, well, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's. And the meaning of that is pay Caesar what is due him and pay God what is due him. And the idea here is that we are, we are being faithful to God when we honor him with his portion. Abraham moved into that realm. It's in chapter 14 of Genesis. We looked at it in this series. Another way of looking at this whole area of bringing in God's portion Uh, It's kind of a humorous thing, but someone put it this way, that the tithe is God's rent payment for living on his planet and breathing his air. And you don't want to get evicted. It's like God is saying, hey, I made this place, and I put you here, and I want you to live on it and enjoy it, but just acknowledge me. You're breathing my air, you're drinking my water, pay your rent. The challenge, I think, is that we look at Abraham's life and we say, I'm not going to make the same mistakes as, as he did, but often we do make those mistakes. We get fearful. We go down to Egypt instead of staying in Canaan. Um, we don't walk by faith that the, way, the way we should. There's one other thing here I want to mention as we look at the life of Abraham and this overflowing blessing on him. And, and I think it's this, that God gives supernatural protection on his people when they respond to his call on their lives. For Abraham, he says, here's how I'm going to protect you. Whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless them. And whoever curses you, I will curse them. Now think about that. God cursing some people. That sounds pretty high stakes to me. But that's the way he's protecting Abraham here. He's saying, in effect, your enemies will become my enemies. Your adversaries will become my adversaries. Whoever curses you, I will curse I think God is saying here, don't fear following me into a new place in your walk with me. Don't be afraid of what might go wrong. Don't fixate on how bad things might go. I will protect you. I will shield you. I'm going to be with you. And I think, friends, this is all about striking at the root of fear that is sometimes in our lives. Fear that we have, and sometimes it's even irrational fear, about our finances. Fear that we're not going to make it. Fear that we can't make our commitments. Fear that we're not going to be able to pay our bills. And 
Fear causes sort of a, a paralysis in all kinds of people. Makes them afraid to be generous. Shuts that down. That desire to give just gets switched right off when fear grips our hearts. In my own life, every time that I have trusted God, every single time, I have found that He is never going to let me down. Never. He's always going to provide for me. And there have been times I've been stretched right to the max, and I've shared that in this series. Um, really had to step out by faith. God has always come through. He'll never let you down. I mean, in terms of fear, how about we just put ourselves in Abraham's shoes for a moment? Think about this guy. God says to him, go. And Abraham says, where? And God says, not telling you. Just follow me. Um, any ideas where we're going? Well, it's not where you are right now. How will we know when we get there? I'll tell you when we arrive. And uh, what do you want me to do when I get there? I want you to enjoy my blessing. When should we get going on this, Lord? Now. We're already behind schedule. And so he packs up his family. You've got to picture caravans and camels and pots and pans, you know, and, and uh, children and, and uh, all these things that he's got. He's got a lot of stuff. And he moves from Haran down to Canaan, to the Promised Land. It's a big journey. And all along the way, probably there were some cynics in his family, in his entourage, saying, Hey, Abram, are you really sure that we were supposed to leave Haran? I mean, it wasn't so bad there. We probably should have just stayed there. And he said, No, I've heard the voice of God. I'm going to walk in faith, and he's going to give me a future that I can inherit. And so he's called the father of our faith. He believed God for a future. He believed God for a family. He believed God for a son a promised child by the name of Isaac, and so he becomes the dad of our faith. And I think I can hear Abram singing along the way, you're never going to let me down, God. You're never going to let me down, not once. You are never going to let me down, are you? So I'm just going to keep trusting in you, and I'm going to watch you provide. I'm going to watch you guide. You're never going to let me down. Finally, God's blessing always goes beyond us. It's true in the promise of Abraham because God said to him, all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Not just some people. Not just Mesopotamian people or Ur of the Chaldees people or Haran people or Canaan people. But all people on the earth will be blessed through you. That's huge. And you know what? As we are walking in Abraham's footsteps we are part of that ongoing transfer of blessing. We step into it, we live it out, we practice it, and the, the promises flow through our lives too. And it's like God is saying to Abraham and to us, this is not just about you. I'm not only going to give you an abundance and, and some favor for your own good, but I'm also giving this to you so this can overflow from you to others. I want nations to be blessed through the overflow of what I've poured upon you. And all you have to do is be faithful. That's all you have to do. You have to believe in a God of greatness and goodness and abundance and walk in His ways. And when you do, the handling of things in this life can receive some kind of special favor from God that allows them to become a blessing. God is not only wanting to bless you in this series, but there's other people who aren't even here that He wants to bless through what God's going to do in the generosity that will flow out of here. 
And I think that we see this working out in the principle of sowing and reaping, which is actually another part of stewardship in the Scriptures. This is something that Abram and his family also practiced, that they sowed seed into the land, that they planted crops, that they stepped out in faith so that there could be an abundance and a harvest for them and for those near them. It's something that shows up in the Scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 at verse 10. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's the principle at work. We get blessed. We sow seed. God puts the seed into our lives. We reap a harvest. The harvest is not just for us. It's for an overflow so that others are blessed and taken care of and impacted. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on back up here as we're wrapping up our series. And we're going to do something um, special today because really stewardship and worship go together. They're kind of the same thing. We're going to sing two songs. And you know, in this whole series here, I've been saying to you from the beginning that you can expect one of two things to happen in your life. First of all, for some of you, there's going to be a breakthrough in your life financially. God's going to do something special for you. He's going to favor you. There'll be an evidence of that in your financial life. For others of you, there'll just be some form of blessing in some other area of your life that you can thank him for. But either way, all of us are going to be blessed. And what we've been doing is encouraging everyone to be part of our special offering in December. And uh, we call it the overflow offering. And it's really a response um, from us to God, from grateful hearts, for his incredible faithfulness in our lives. Here's what we can do by participating in the overflow offering. We can go by faith forward into the future. We can say to God, you know, I'm going to start to honor you. I'm going to step into this whole thing called the Lord's portion, the tithe. I'm going to bring it into the storehouse here in this local church. Maybe some of us have yet to start that. Maybe we're new here. We've been in the church for a while, but we've never really begun that. In this overflow offering, we can start that and be blessed by God. It's also an opportunity for some of us to catch up on tithing, just to kind of restore some months or some time periods that weren't seeing that occur. Also, it's an opportunity to continue with full regular tithing. This is for many of you. You're already there. You're just saying, God, I am going to continue to trust you. I'm going to bring your tithe into your storehouse, and I'm going to watch the windows of heaven open over me. For some of us, we can maybe give generously a special offering above the tithe to express our gratitude towards God for the way he's been blessing our lives. And friends, all of this is to honor Jesus. And as we do that, he's going to strengthen the ministries of our church, the kids' ministries, the youth ministries, the adult ministries, the family ministries. He's going to strengthen our home base so that we can reach out further, so we can do things like Christmas Eve well. He's going to enable us to fix things in our facility which need to be adjusted. We've got some work to do to make this building work better for us as we keep growing. He's going to bless us so that we can have money in the Compassion Fund 
resources to help people that are in crisis. And friends, we've been responding these weeks. In Jesus' name, we've been responding to people to help them. And for some of us, it's an opportunity to expand by giving support to our global workers, our international workers, our missionaries. So we've been inviting you into this. We've given you an envelope. It should be in your bulletin again called Overflow Offering. It has the same information on here as the, as the envelope in your chair right in front of you. It's got the same information because it's the same purpose. And we're just asking you to prayerfully consider how you might want to be part of it today. And then there's an opportunity next Sunday as well to give to the Overflow Offering. So you can get ready for that. But let me share this with you. In the last month, every service we've been praying for God's blessing upon you, the people of God right here, your jobs, your work. We've been praying the blessing of God over our city, asking God for economic strength in Airdrie. And we've been trusting God that over the last four weeks, he's been at work in special ways. And I've just been keeping track of some of the things that some of you have shared with me. Like one guy, a young man who, after the first sermon, was so touched by God, he went to work on Monday, and they had no contracts lined up. He went there a half hour early to pray, and he asked God to bring the work in, and in two hours, they were flooded with work. That's a great blessing from God. Yeah. One of our business leaders in our church has an opportunity to construct a plant, perhaps, in Saskatchewan just coming to him these days, just in the last month. Possibilities of being able to build something there which will keep his business thriving in Airdrie. That's awesome. And then in our city, we're hearing whispers of economic resurgency in some of our production areas and, and tradespeople are being called back to work and jobs are opening up again. This is all just very recent. And there may be more stories. So what I'm wondering is, just before we sing I want to ask those of you to stand. You don't have to give your name or say anything. Just a visible demonstration of faith. Of God's, God's been at work in your life in the last month. And he's been blessing you financially. Maybe he's given you more hours at work. Or a change of job. Or restored your work. Or increased the capacity of your business. Or put his favor upon you in the career that you have. I want you just to stand up. If that's happened to you in the last four weeks. Would you stand up? We want to celebrate that with you. Wow. Let's look at this. It's great. It's awesome. Stay standing. That's awesome. And I just want to say to you that the Lord did that for you. Let's make the connection here, right? This is not something random, not something that we just invented and, and we just hoped it happened, but God actually answered our prayers, and he's been leading you. All right, the rest of us, let's stand together. And I'll ask our host to come forward as we pray over the overflow offering. We're going to pray a bold prayer together. Father, I thank you for the refreshing that comes to your people when we take steps of faith. Thank you for the new jobs that our friends have been given, for the increased hours, for the business contracts that have come their way. We celebrate that with them, Lord. And we pray for ongoing blessing and prosperity that the work of our hands would be blessed. We pray over our city the favor of God. We know that you said that in the time of Jeremiah. You said, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've called you. 
Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you'll prosper. So we pray for Airdrie right now. We pray that there would be no unemployment in Airdrie. We pray that everybody who wants work would get work. We pray for jobs and even better jobs. We pray for increases in pay for fair market wages. We pray for the sustaining hand of God upon all of our tradespeople, all of our school teachers, our police officers, our technicians, and everybody running a business, and all of us, Lord, together. We pray your mighty favor and your goodness upon us. And we say this to you, Lord. You're never going to let us down. It's not going to happen. You're never going to let us down. We're going to stand always, Lord, with our eyes looking up to you, believing you for great and awesome things. Bless this offering now, Lord. Bless the overflow offering and all that is put in it. May it be used for your great purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Stay standing. We're going to sing together.